It's good to be with you and to bring God's word is always a uh, privilege. I want to read uh, just a few verses, maybe just three verses from Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64 and from verse 1. We read this, Isaiah's cry in Isaiah 64 and verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things, which we looked not for, Thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. Amen. Amen. Let us just briefly bow and ask God's blessing. Our gracious God, we praise thee and thank thee for being our God, for making us, for providing for us especially the provision of salvation through thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we consider thy word right now, that thou was implanted upon our hearts and bless it to our souls. And, O oh God, give us a praying heart, praying for revival, O oh Lord. It is time for thee to work. And so we pray that thy word would encourage us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want to uh, use this text in Isaiah 64 and verses 1 through to 3 to speak to you about praying for revival in the church in the West. The great need on every hand is for spiritual revival, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, for God to come in power. And so I want us to think about that. Of course, revival is always the sovereign act of God. We believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. Scripture and experience proves that uh, God can give it or withhold it. Uh, but it's also true that revival comes in response, God's gracious response to certain human conditions. And that one of the major thing is prayer and humility. And the Bible teaches this as well as we see it in church history. Um, we we uh, know of Duncan Campbell, and he said this, there is a growing conviction everywhere, and especially among thoughtful people, that unless revival comes, other forces will take the field that will sink us still deeper into the mire of humanism and materialism. And he said this uh, over 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Um, Lester Roloff, he said this, I see no hope for a revival among God's people today. They are so enamored and so cluttered up with Hollywood and newspapers and magazines and parties and bowling alleys and camping trips and everything else. How in the world are they going to get still long enough to see anything from God? And I thought that's powerful. How in the world are they going to get still long enough to see anything from God? 
And Jonathan Edwards, of course, he said, the weakness of human nature has always appeared in times of great revivals of religion by a disposition to run into extremes, especially in these three things, enthusiasm, superstition, and interpret zeal. Now, I want to just very briefly just outline uh, first the meaning of revival is explained in this passage in Isaiah 64. What is this spiritual revival? What is this revival in a church? It is the Lord rending the heavens and coming down amongst his people. And so you read, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. That's the, the way Isaiah saw it. That, this, is, this is his revival. This is uh, sort of uh, Isaiah's sermon on revival. You want to know what revival is? This is it. In other words, re revival is a mighty manifestation of God's presence and power. Uh, and there was such a manifestation on the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, oftentimes commentators on this text, they believe that the fulfillment of this happened over 700 years afterwards. So uh, we might be praying now, but revival might come later uh, when we've all long gone. Um, and, and so uh, this happened on the day of Pentecost when the spirit of God was poured out. And the heavens were opened and the Lord himself came to his temple. And what a change took place. Uh, so many amazing things took place. And so if you were to ask Peter, if you were to ask John or James or Mary, what happened? What did you feel? How, how would you describe the experience? They would say to you, well, the Lord came down. He came down among us and we were overwhelmed with the sense of his presence and power. And we read in Acts 4 and verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. So prayer and revival works together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And you see the same thing in the times of the Great Awakening under Wesley and Whitfield in, under their preaching. And so this is what, what we see. And we see this in 1859 revival in the valleys of Wales in 1904. God sovereignly coming down. Andrew Bonner, the Scottish preacher, he said, and he saw and tasted revival. He said, revivals begin with God's own people. The Holy Spirit touches their heart anew and gives them new fervor and compassion and zeal, new light and life. And when he has thus come to you, he next goes forth to the valley of dry bones. And then he goes on to say, oh, that what responsibility this lays on the church of God. If you grieve him away from yourselves or hinder his visit, then the poor perishing world suffers sorely. So verse one is the explanation of what revival is, is revival defined. And then. It goes on to show us that then the need of revival. So it speaks about the need of the revival. Why is revival needed? Why do we need it in all the work which we are engaged in? I need revival. You need revival. What's the evidence of it? Well, the evidence of it, we have it in the word of God. And also 
we see it all around it around us in God's church. So there are two two ways we see that the need there is a need. So first, when we look at God's word, we didn't take the time to read the whole uh, uh, of this uh, chapter of Isaiah 64. But when you look at this, we, we see the need that existed in in 700 BC, and it's similar to our day. Uh, so in verse one, it speaks about these mountains that must flow down. That's that's the obstacles. These great mountains, they they must be, they must come down. They must flow down. They must melt away. These are the things that hinders God's blessing. Uh, there was uh, the the a great deal of open sin that's described. We didn't read this, but in verse five, it says, "Thou meetest him." that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. So God is angry because we have sinned. Uh, in those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and so on. We oftentimes preach on verse 6 as an evangelistic text, but actually it's in the context of revival and praying for revival. It's not a necessarily, it's actually, it's a reference to God's people. Um, so, so he sees this, there's open sin. And then we see there was actually prayerlessness. So Isaiah is looking around and saying uh, in verse 7, it says, and there is none that calleth upon thy name. So how can there be revival if there is none calling upon God's name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee? So praying for revival is actually we are stirring ourselves up to take hold of God. Uh, we could preach a sermon on that, taking hold of the Lord. And uh, another reason that there is there is a need for revival is God's judgment is upon us. In verse 9, it speaks about God's uh, wrath is very sore. And, and dear friends, our nations, the West is under God's judgment. And we can change politicians. The United Kingdom has a new prime minister. The queen is on her deathbed, most likely, right now. And uh, and yet people think if, if we just get, get higher powers changed and uh, get Republicans in power, if we got this in power, this, this done, if we just pour money into something. And uh, dear friends, the the issue is you cannot fix the judgment of God. We can't fix the judgment of God, whatever we may do. We need the mercy of God, and for that we must pray. And uh, verses 10 to 11 speaks about the city is, is desolate. Uh, Zion is a wilderness, and so on. It's burnt up with fire. And, and, and so that's what you see from the word of God. The word of God tells you we need revival. And um, we, could, we could go on, we could tell you then secondly, you look around into our churches, what do you recognize? You, you see the desperate need for revival. Um, and the situation in this chapter is describing the life of the church, that oftentimes we are having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And it actually, the, the language of the scripture is very strong, Paul says, from such turn away. And he says you have to turn away from hypocrisy. Um, it's a serious issue. And 
And so you see a barrenness in the land and in the pulpits of the land. There's deadness and worldliness and coldness and and, and lack of zeal and and our, our prayers are are very flippant. They can be or they can be without earnestness. Um, there's complacency in our lives. There's laziness in our lives, and um, uh, and I, I I I keep being told you are going to burn out. You are going to burn out. Well, I want to see Christians who are on fire for God, and so ministers are not burnt out. Uh, if you just get Christians who are who are um, who are burning bright for the Lord, and be a great help to. Uh, God's servants and ministers of the gospel, it will be a great encouragement. Uh, but very quickly, finally, there is the secret of prayer here. And of course, you know this, it is it is prayer. Um, here is the secret of uh, revival. And, and the, 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 there are a number of things I could say to you. I'll just give you an outline of it rather than describing it. Um, there must be in our prayer and in our personal life, our whole life should be a prayer, a prayer life. But there must be, first of all, an intense desire for it. Do you really want it? Are you willing to change your life for it? Um, there must be an, in, an intense desire. And, and how do we know this? It's just that one word, that first word, just that, oh, it says, oh, Oh, that. Uh, they, they are words that convey passion. They are words that convey longing and a, a burden. He has a burden. Oh, Lord, he says. There's, there are tears in this. There's concern in this. Have you real concern for it? I, I was preaching last Thursday in, in the open air, just in front of Bell Inn, where Whitfield was, um, was, was born and lived. And the thing that struck me was this, I have no tears. I was just praying and I had no tears. And that, that convicted me. I thought this is, not, this is not the life of a person who really desires uh, uh, revival. There must be intense desire. There must be amendment of life. And uh, surely this is inferred to in this chapter when he's talking about sin. Uh, there must be a change of life. A.W. Tozer, he said this, have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying and it simply will not work. And I think Tozer has something uh, right here too. There must be this prayer of intercession, which we are about here. Ravenhill said this, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there is a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know. Dear friends, <clears throat> there must be an exercise of faith. He prayed. When did Isaiah prayed this prayer, but and he believed God would answer it. But most likely it took over 700 years before the answer came on the day of Pentecost. Friends, we could go on talking about many other things. 
But let me finish with a quotation by Spurgeon. He said, oh, men and brethren, what would this heart feel if I could but believe that there were some among you who would go home and pray for a revival men whose faith is large enough and their love fiery enough to lead them from this moment to exercise unceasing intercessions that God would appear among us and do wondrous things here as in the times of former generations. So dear friends, let us pray like this. Oh, that thou wouldest render heavens and that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. May God bless his word. Amen.